Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Club Fantasies, No Punt Intended. Yes, you're seeing my face, Joshua Hudson, because that means Joe Zolo is not here once again, because he has this, you know, job that keeps him away. And I don't know, maybe you've heard they're going to be on ESPN Plus tomorrow and repping the new motors or what is it? The Missouri River Motor Boaters. That's the whole thing right there. Okay, cool. Uh, But anywho. Sticking with the theme, though, because when Joe's not here, we have, like, the goat of guests on, like, all the time. So joining myself and Ryan, yes, the absolutely fabulous Liz Loza from ESPN is joining us. And we are so excited to have her. And we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the San Francisco 49ers as we continue on with our Look Inside team previews. Stay tuned. What is up? Good evening and welcome to No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Ryan Weiss, because apparently Joe Zolo is allergic to amazing guests. I don't know what the guy's problem is. Um, Our streak of all three of us being together lasted precisely one week. But as you heard in the intro, Josh Hudson's still with me. How are you doing tonight, Josh? I'm fantastic, and we could not have a better guest for this week, and I'm so hyped. So thank you for responding to my email and my DM, Liz. <laughs> yeah. Well, you slid in. You slid in in a respectful way. So. <laughs> this is how you do it, guys. Slide <laughs> into the DMs respectfully. Well, <laughs> did, and you did the follow-up, because lots of people like will DM me and say, come on my show, and Instagram is not a place where I can spend the mental energy like wading through those kind of requests. So I say, hit me up at my email. Here it is. And you actually, and you'd be surprised how many people are like, nah, that's copying and pasting. It's a lot. <laughs> Way too hard. Oh, God. I know, but we're all tired. Right we're all tired. Like it's only <laughs> I was going to say, if I get to do a show with Liz Loza, it's the effort is worth it. So <laughs> right? that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I have to say this one day trade we're doing with ESPN seems to be working out way more in our favor. Because as Josh alluded, um, Joe's uh, college baseball team, the Bismarck Larks Summer College League baseball team, now going as the Missouri River Motorboaters are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. But instead, we get ESPN's Liz Loza to talk fantasy football with. Liz, this is my first time doing a show with you, though I know you've uh, graced the Club Fantasy Airwaves before, but it is an honor. Just welcome. Thank you, Ryan. I know you said you were from the Canton area of Ohio earlier in the pre-show, and I just want to let you know that one of the biggest unrequited flames of my life one of these crushes was brian at like bible camp and he was from canton and now since you said that all he can think about is him playing like acoustic guitar so thanks for bringing me back now i guess the real question is is he from actual canton because i actually have a bitter hatred in my heart of the city of canton ohio because i grew up in the next town over and it's pure rivalry i don't like anything about that town so i hope he's also just from the canton area because i can stand for no positive mentions of canton ohio i've lost all track of him i just remember we've already dug way too far into this (laughs) with the acoustic guitar 
I like it. No, anything, any positive mentions of Ohio. We'll just go full 10,000 foot view. Positive Ohio is good in my book. So (laughs) speaking of positive Ohio, we're going to be talking about one of their teams today. It's all great teams in the NFL. We're talking San Francisco 49ers, Cincinnati Bengals, but we're going to get everything started with the Buffalo Bills. Um, 13, uh, Josh, you did the record wrong again. 13 what? and three. So they either went 14 and three or 13 and four. I don't know which one. Same offense as last no, year. No, they Sean went 13 and three because there no, was a fourth. Oh, so, sorry. Thank you, Liz. Ryan, Thank shut you, up. Liz. I did it right. Josh did 16 <laughs> games for a team that was not one of those teams last week. So I, I just assumed Josh did it wrong. Thank you, Liz. Um, 13 and three last season. Sean McDermott is still the head coach. Uh, Ken Dorsey's still going to run the offense. Not many changes here. Josh Allen's the QB one. James Cook slides up to RB one with Damian Harris backing him up. Up now, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver one, Gabe Davis, wide receiver two, possibly a new face at wide receiver three, Khalil Shakir. Dawson Knox is going to be the 1A at tight end because they also drafted Dalton Kincaid very high for a tight end, and we're going to call him the 1B. And if you followed any of these shows recently, you know we ask everybody to give us a list of their guy for the team. So Josh went with Josh Allen. It says because it says QB1, but I think it's just because they have the same name. Um, but he also threw in that he likes James Josh Cook. stand together, baby. Exactly. <laughs> I put Khalil Shakir because after the way I stand for him as a rookie, I just am happy to see him get the field. Um, and Stefan Diggs just felt way too easy. Er, easy. Liz, you started with James Cook. And I think that's where the discussion needs to be with the Buffalo Bills because – you could argue that's the big change on this offense at this point is Devin Singletary after playing out his rookie deal moves on to the Houston Texans. And this is James Cook's team now question mark Liz. Well, I did think it was interesting in your intro that you noted that Damian Harris would be backing cook up. So it does seem as though the assumption is that this is cook's backfield to own. Now, obviously his skill set is divergent from Damian Harris's and Damian Harris is going to, you know, work or work on those early downs and a short yardage capacity, probably see more goal line attempts. But Devin Singletary's 200 plus touches are now vacated. And I think while Cook won't see all of those, the majority of them are going to go his way. Uh, he was second on the team in touches with 89 attempts and 21 grabs as a rookie. Um, it's also worth noting that the team invested a second round pick in him making him the third running back selected in April of last year, while Damian Harris, like, he got a low-risk one-year deal. So if we're looking at in terms of, like, financial investment, it certainly is behind Cook. And I also think that it's worth noting that Buffalo is not a run-first operation. The Bills have ranked fifth in pass rate over the past three seasons. And that, you're like, well, Liz, well, what does that matter for a, a running back? But James Cook is not just any running back. He, coming out of college, was lauded for his receiving skills and not just his good hands, but also his ability to run actual routes out of the slot like a receiver would. And so I think his talent in that respect, I mean, 27 receptions over 15 games in 2021 in his college career was what he could do. Like that that wrinkle in his skill set is probably that which Buffalo is most leaning into and most aligns with their, with their system, especially also noting Naheem Hines, unfortunately won't be on the field this season either, which only adds to the volume that Cook could see from a pass catching perspective. And also finally, you mentioned the pass catchers on this team. This is a thin receiving core pass catching core, right? We've got Steph Diggs, best route runner in the league, Gabe Davis, well, that didn't work out like a lot Worst of Worst route runner in the league. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not to 
open any old wounds, but, yeah. and then you've got two tight ends, one of whom is a rookie. Yeah. So I think that that gives Cook some really nice upside, but you're not going to see it from volume. You're going to see it similarly to the way you might see. Now, this isn't an apples for apples comp, but those don't exist. Like Tony Pollard, right? Like Tony Pollard doesn't need to touch the ball as many times as Zeke Elliott because he's a more dynamic player who can average more yards uh, more more yards per carry and catch than the 1B in the backfield. Well, yeah, and when you look at Cook last year, 5.7 yards per carry, which is actually very similar. As you mentioned, it's not apples to apples, but that's what Tony Pollard was doing as a backup last year as well. So if he can keep that efficiency on limited touches, that's exactly what you want out of just about any running back in the NFL right now. And um, you can get it in a top a top five, top three offense like the Bills. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned, you know, the targets, the targets are what we really want. And you guys hear it on this show all the time, just how much more important targets are for running backs than actual carries. Obviously, the more they can get, the better. And you can take a mid-tier running back and turn him into a top-tier running back. Josh, you had mentioned in the pregame that uh, you had some stats around targets. So I'll actually kick to you on this. So, Oh, Josh, your mic is not working. So I'm going to return. I had to crack open my drink, so I muted it. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Uh gotcha. <laughs> Trying to be respectful. Um, but no, so I was doing some research for my DeAndre Swift article that I'm writing for the Eagles next week. And I started looking at running backs that have 100 or more carries, or excuse me, uh, quarterbacks that have 100 and more carries and how often those offenses target the running back position. Liz, you mentioned Josh Allen and the Bill, this Bill's offense throwing the football. Josh Allen has topped 35 pass attempts per game each of the last three seasons. And that uh, was that number was over 38 or excuse me, at 38 pass attempts per game in 2021. The running back target share in this Bills offense has been 16 and a half, 13 and a half, 15.4 percent. Three of the last four years. Last year, he targeted the running backs 20.1 percent. And that was on just over 35 pass attempts per game. We as fantasy analysts like to overanalyze everything. And I don't think that's a very inaccurate statement, right? Especially in June and July. <laughs> Let's start paying attention to the behaviors that teams do in the offseason, right? They have they did not bring back Devin Singletary, who over the last three years has 50 or more targets in this offense. Okay. They then brought in the aforementioned Damian Harris on a low-risk deal who is not known for catching passes, and then sign Latavius Murray, who's going on his 38th team in I don't know how many years. 38. But somehow, yeah, somehow still manages to, like, find ways to catch passes. He had 35 targets last year. I was going to say, he's a better pass catcher than yeah. you would think. <laughs> yeah. So let's assume that Josh Allen throws for, what, 36 pass attempts per game? At that rate, why would we not think that even if there's only, let's say, 16% target shared to the running backs, James Cook catches, what, 80% or sees 80% of those targets? I don't think that's that far cry when you look at this running back room right now. That's going to put him at 73 targets in this offense. So what is that like in terms of catches per game? Because like I'm sitting here with my iPhone trying to be like, all right, so 36 <laughs> times 60, 36 times 16, the 65 percent, let's say, and probably better than that, but ballpark, two to three catches per game. 
conservatively for James Cook. Catches. Mm -hmm. We expect him to convert in short yardage with Josh Allen as as the passer, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if he stays healthy for 15 games, that's 45 catches. That's nuts. Like, that's (laughs) – And honestly, I would put the over on James Cook at that point. This is a conservative estimate. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for me, it's like you're getting him at RB30 prices. And I feel like so much of that depressed ADP is simply because Devin Singletary was never like a top 20, top 15 running back. Like he was always just kind of like, you know, in that like low end RB2 range, like 23 to 26 kind of area. So everybody's just kind of projecting that on James Cook. These are two very different running backs. Very different. James Cook is so much more dynamic with the football in his hands than Devin Singletary can ever dream of being. Simply because Singletary is not as fast. James Cook has 4-4 speed. So if we think that he can be more efficient, which he was last year, so even if he sees, let's say, 50 more carries than last year, that's still only going to put him at 135-ish carries. Yeah, He sees 70-plus targets. Even if he only scores six touchdowns, that's a top 20 running back, and you're seeing value based on his ADP. Well. Liz gave me an idea with the 45 catches, 46 catches. If you go and look last year, there were only 13 running backs that had 45 or more catches and all, but one of them was a top 21 running back. I was just looking up. I thought I was looking it up right now. Cause I was like, what is it top? What is it? Yes. Yeah. It it took me a second there. Uh, The the outlier was Rashad white at 50 receptions, but uh, such an ineffective, ineffective offense. It was a little rough for him last year, but uh, yeah. Top 21 for every single one of them. So just again, if he can see those targets, it really, really changes the game up. Now, Liz, I had asked you guys a question before the show and you immediately gave an answer that I didn't think would be the answer. But when I was doing my projections for this year, three running backs, all second year guys, all kind of in weirdly similar situations kind of stood out to me. And that's Brian Robinson, Rashad White and James Cook. Their ADPs could not be more different. So rather than doing like a would you rather, because I really just want to talk about these three guys, Liz, I just kind of want to like cage match these guys how would you draft these three guys and is it in line with their ADP right now I would draft Rashad White and then uh James Cook and then but they're very close and then a distant third is Brian Robinson okay because I like that rookie out of Kentucky there I think that that guy's going to contend okay yes I believe yeah yes Uh, that that to me like just asterisk this one that guy is a drumbeat candidate for this summer I want to see now the camp is like oh What's the drumbeat on him? I feel like there is a Ramondre Stevenson potential in him. Because remember, Stevenson was like not a pass catcher. That wasn't his role. And then all of a sudden, reports, oh, it took a little bit of time. He had like a really incredible preseason game. And now, now look, I feel like that kid who's so productive in Kentucky and who did not catch a lot of balls in college. But now the reports are that like people or the coaching staff has been impressed by his pass catching skills. Just because a player hasn't done something doesn't mean they can't do it. That goes for everybody else as well. So, um, but yes, that was a long winded answer. Those are the three white cook and then Robinson. Well, first and foremost, how much of a slap in the face would it be to Antonio Gibson? If you're like, this guy didn't catch a lot of balls in college, but we're just going to go ahead and throw it to him anyway, and still just find a way to ignore Antonio. Okay, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't, isn't uh, Gibson heading into year four anyway? This is a contract yeah. year for him. Yeah. Like I I've been on this train for a while. They drafted Chris uh, Rodriguez as a potential replacement so they can move on from Antonio Gibson. So it would not surprise me 
if they do start trying to incorporate Rodriguez into more of a pass catching back to complement Brian Robinson. Josh, do you have the same feelings on those second year running backs? No, I I'm very out on Rashad White. Very out. I, I would were. much rather Are you take about the his efficiency. Are you worried? Yeah, about his I just I, I don't see it. The Bucks offense is, to put it lightly, dog shit, and their offensive line just not it. Like outside of Tristan Wirfs, I have zero faith in any of those offensive linemen. Baker Mayfield has done this since he came into the league. Like it's just been like peak and then valley and i'm not talking like below sea level in florida valley i'm talking like buried city of atlantis valley like <laughs> it's bad so yeah i'm i'm out on on rashad white and i like I, I can see like the argument for him because again right now there is nobody but just just wait because the next couple weeks Keyshawn vaughn ryan your boy is gonna start tricking up hype what I've been waiting on for years yep. now. That that camp hype is going to start going up, and it's already started today. So yeah, I just yeah, give me give me James Cook. I, I think too what many about people. Rob- now what about Robinson versus White though, Josh? I would probably still take White simply okay. because I will value the pass catching more. So because Robinson's not going to catch back. This isn't the Tampa Bay show, but Liz, I'm going to actually give you some time to talk about Rashad White after I explain their ADP here because in my head they were very equal. Obviously, Liz, you even said you would put White and Cook close to each other. White right now, according to Fantasy Pros, is 61st overall, whereas Cook is all the way down at 82nd overall. We're talking more than two full rounds separation. And then you guys both don't like Brian Robinson, but he's another two full rounds as the RB36 at 106. So I guess, Liz, why are you in on White, still have him as your one? Obviously, there's value to be had in Cook two full rounds later, but uh, talk positively about Rashad White because I don't think we've heard enough of that. I mean, it's a volume argument, right? Like White split work with Fournette to the tune of over 15 touches per game last season. And he was just one of four running backs to hit a threshold above 11 carries and three and a half catches per contest from weeks 10 through 18. Those other running backs who were with him, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and James Conner, they were all top 20 fantasy producers at the position. So I like that floor, and I understand that the efficiency is going to be, to quote Josh, likely dog shit. But at the end of the day, we know that Rashi, we know that White can do both things. We know he can catch passes, and we know that he can run between the tackles. So there's a duality to his skill set that is, in my opinion, better than Cook's. And if he's going to get that volume, he will make up the efficiency deficiency, if you will, in overall numbers. Probably not going to have the splash games that Cook will have, but he's a higher floor option to me, and that's why I have him ranked, I think, RB24. Like, low, he's on that RB2, okay. RB3 cusp. I say you have him right below his ADP then, so even still you're given a little bit of, you know, caution, if you will, because right now the last thing we want to see out of Rashad White is the ADP creep up. But if we keep hearing positive, Keyshawn Vaughn reports. That's not going to happen either. Isn't Keyshawn Vaughn the kid who like started at Illinois and then went to Vandy? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I fell in love with him coming out of the draft. And so like I was trying to trade up for him in a draft that Josh was I and we're in for rookies. And Josh even like cautioned me against it. And then the trade fell through. And he's like, best thing that ever happened to you was that trade falling through. So I remember the hype in the moment. Like he yeah. was supposed to be like Arian's guy in this backfield. Yep. Well, then, I think that was before they brought in Leonard Fournette, too. Yes. Well, Which yes, yes, because when he was drafted, uh, Uncle so, Lenny yeah. wasn't on the squad when he was yeah, drafted. Yeah, he was, he was uh, still in the process of losing his job to James Robinson at that point. So, Josh, you have uh, Josh Allen as your QB1 this year, huh? 
I do, yeah. Uh, I didn't really dive too much into it. I just said the simple answer. When you look at all of the elite quarterbacks, he has the highest potential for elite pass uh, passing numbers. And by that, I mean like 4,500-plus uh, passing yards, 35-plus passing touchdowns, on top of the potential for 700-plus rushing yards and 6-plus rushing touchdowns. There's, I don't think, any other quarterback in fantasy football right now that has that potential or even that already existing on their resume. So I think your next closest in that argument is Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Jalen Hurts still needs to take that leap, in my opinion. The passing is was great last year. It was very efficient, but the volume still needs to go up, in my opinion. I think it's and a that's fair coming point. from an Eagles fan. <laughs> Josh, this is something we've talked about on the mock draft show quite often. Um, you're talking about guys like Hertz, obviously Mahomes, and then Josh Allen. In the current landscape of fantasy football, where so many analysts typically will tell you quarterback late, quarterback late, quarterback late, are you paying up to get Josh Allen? And Liz, I'm going to come to you with this too. I already saw you shaking your head. But Josh, are you paying up to get Josh Allen? Yeah, there's only three quarterbacks this year that I would legitimately pay up for in drafts and that's Mahomes Hurts and Josh Allen because I truly believe that those three separate themselves from the pack so so Liz are, are you in agreement with that that's kind of what I was taking from your uh your head motion there is that uh is this the year to pay up for quarterback if you're getting one of the elite guys I agree that I'm probably only paying up for one of those three but also I was trying to pull a stat about how ADP shifts have happened. And like, it's wonderful that all of these analysts are like, oh yeah, you can't wait on quarterback anymore because the elite guys produce so much more than like the mid-tier guys, but that's creating deficiencies at other positions. And no one is talking about like attacking that value then, you know, like, so um, in 2023, a quarterback was drafted by ADP um, over rounds one and two, three quarterbacks were drafted last year, which is up from one over the three previous years, right? You have to imagine that's been Patrick Mahomes. That's been up. Meanwhile, um, like, so from rounds one through eight, 11 quarterbacks are draft were drafted according to current ADP, 11 quarterbacks are expected to be drafted. And that's one through eight rounds, one and two quarter uh, current ADP suggests three quarterbacks, 22, one quarterback in rounds one and two. uh, And in 2021, one quarterback in rounds one and two. So like the market is getting smarter and the trend is becoming less enticing. Yeah. So with that though, I I agree with everything you're saying that there's created value at other positions, but you're also by the eighth round, (laughs) you no longer have your choice. You're taking what's left over. Is it your, hold on. That's like, yes, (laughs) but also isn't your job if you're going to win leagues or talk about winning leagues to find the guy that is the next guy. I love it. Like you don't have to do it at quarter, maybe a quarterback. Listen, there are professional scouts who have, S the bed a million times on finding franchise quarterbacks. So it is completely acceptable as a fantasy enthusiast to be like, you know what? I just don't, that position is really complicated. So I'm going to pay up for Josh Allen and try to find my value elsewhere. Try to find this year's Tony Pollard, this year's Ramondre Stevenson. Now that those, the dead zone is very much more alive than it has been in previous years. Right. But it's also okay to say, Hmm, Deshaun Watson is an interesting guy who's being drafted outside of the top eight 
Yeah. Maybe that's my value. Like maybe I get him in what round seven ish. I'm, I'm not and looking that, at current ADP. Like no, the- but that's you're hitting exactly what I was wondering here is. So for me, I'm someone who used to wait till double digit rounds. And it sounds like I maybe need to at least adjust my slider a little bit to get one of the guys towards the Unless you're happy with Kirk Cousins, who I, despite him being a massive dork, remains one of the (laughs) highest floor options in the game. Absolutely. He's QB 12 every week. That's his floor. That's his ceiling. He's QB 12. Made a nice living being QB 12, you know? Right? Damn right. (laughs) Yeah, I, I fault nothing with what Kirk Cousins has done throughout his career. No, I absolutely love that. Um, for me, it's Khalil Shakir, and that's simply because I just want to see this kid succeed. Fifth round pick coming out of Boise. Great route runner. He has a chance to slide in as the third receiver in this. He's going to have a little bit of competition. I think it would just be fun to see him play well. Joe's sleeper is James Cook coming off the board as the RB30, and his IDP player of note is Matt Milano. Tackle machine never Love leaves it. the field. Um, Josh, go ahead and intro the uh, segment you created for Liz here. All right, so we're doing bottomless bets with Liz. So like what I like does, to, but better. Exactly. <laughs> See, I'm like, I never, I work every weekend, so I don't get to like enjoy bottomless anything. It sucks. So I said, you know what? We're, we're tearing a segment to this and we're going to have some fun. So Liz, your favorite bills related bets on so whichever not, sports book you prefer. I did. We, well, it's Caesars, obviously. <laughs> um, and I did not, uh, these are not my favorites. I just felt like these were the ones that were the most interesting. I think over 10 and a half wins is interesting because we noted the 13 and three record. Yeah. Uh, so there's, and, and we look at the rest of that division and Miami has one of the best defenses in the league now, at least via the work that they've put into the back yeah. half, the, the other side of the ball. Right. The jets, you have to assume have improved. Maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but there's certainly investments on, on improvement there. A big one today. Yeah. (laughs) But even if the Dolphins and the Jets improve, like is 11 wins, which is two fewer than last year, still out of the question for Josh Allen? I think ultimately the answer is defenses win championships. I love the Milano pick, but Buffalo has a top five eh, to maybe seven ranked defense. And a lot of this is like, I feel like you're going to bet on the health of Von Miller and Tredavious White bouncing back from the ACL that obviously kind of zapped a lot of his power last season. Um, But one of the best safety tandems in the league, right? I like the Leonard Floyd signing, Leonard Floyd signing. I feel like, I feel like Buffalo's defense is really what's going to get them over the 10 and a half hump. And that's why it's an interesting one to discuss. And I feel like that number may have been set so low because there were questions about that defense with the loss of the defensive coordinator and then so many new faces. So I, I think you probably hit it perfectly on the head there is that people are doubting the defense maybe to their own peril at this point. So. Josh, are you going well, over under you- 10 and a half wins? I'm curious. Cause it is, a, it is like, it's a tough one. I was going to say, yeah, I think that's probably the perfect spot because when <laughs> you look at, when you look at the improvements, the dolphins made, when you look at, you know, obviously the Jets bringing in Aaron Rodgers and the hype that's surrounding him. Like this division got better. And, you know, for this team that I believe they've been like 12 plus wins the last three three years, mm-hmm. like you're like, wait, th- this feels like a trap, right? Like what's going on here? But I think their line is probably 11. And, and I think it really is simply because this division just got better. Plain and Did simple. we not say the same thing about the AFC West last year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were 
right? Oh, we were all we had, we had like yeah. all four teams making the playoffs. Oh, yeah, some idiot said all four teams would make the playoffs. <laughs> so I mean, that's like we have to look at this, Webster. <laughs> A large part of our job is looking at trends. And so I was thinking that's that's why I picked this prop to discuss, because this is like, I mean, how how much are you buying into it? Which trends are you seeing? And like, I don't know, I was at the Super Bowl when the Rams won. It is very difficult for me to bet against Von Miller. Yeah. So ACLs, though, in your 30s. Yeah, never a fun thing. Got it. Yeah. I mean, again, yes, there's all of these asterisks, but I I would bet that the Bills win 11 games more than I would assume that they only 100%. manage 10. I think that's yeah. a great point. So. I agree. Uh, the other one was Josh Allen under 32 and a half passing touchdowns. I mentioned how thin the receiving core is. Um, bottom 10 ranked offensive line that could lead to more scrambling from Allen, even though trying to get rid of that. Like you can't invest. We all know that like mobile quarterbacks don't get offensive lines because they quote, don't need them. Um, And he's got a (laughs) bottom five strength of schedule. So I know I said, I think they'd win 11, (laughs) 11 games, but also I think a lot of that production is going to come from Josh Allen having to put the team on his back and make it happen with his legs. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's certainly, again, not apples to apples, but we saw a similar scenario last year where Daniel Jones rushed for so many touchdowns that it took away from his passing touchdown number, and we could see something like that. Even a three-touchdown swing from what we've recently seen from Allen would make that under hit. So. Although if, you're, if your guy Shakir happens, then, you know. He better. No, I'm joking. I, I have Josh Allen with 34 passing touchdowns in my projections, so I would okay. take the over there. Um, I mean – even if you, even if we assume that Dalton Kincaid, you know, becomes that like big slot that we want him to be, like we know Gabe Davis is good for probably two, three touchdown games this year, and that's sure. about it. Yeah. So Stephon Diggs should be a gimme for ten plus, just based on his usage and targets in the end zone itself, not area, even just yeah. the red zone. Um, yeah. But even if Kincaid falls off, Dawson Knox has scored fifteen touchdowns the last two years. So if, if Kincaid isn't a thing, Knox is still a pretty solid fallback option. And then yeah. from there, it's, does Shakir take a leap? Who else do they have in the wide receiver pecking order? What does James Cook do from an efficiency standpoint? Because of his speed, he has that breakaway ability that he can turn a five-yard dump off into a 60-yard touchdown catch. So Josh, write these down because I would love to come back after the season. Oh, they're on the they're on the show okay. sheet. Oh yeah, All right. we've got let's, it. <laughs> let's see because I, I don't think you're wrong. Again, I wasn't picking bets where I'm like, yeah. Also, who no, the create the discussion. On I the love Bills it. and the 49ers and the Bengals. These are some of the most bet teams. So if y'all are betting on these teams, find a different strategy. You got to bet on. <laughs> teams I love it. Um, and the last one quickly, Damian Harris over 550, 550 and a half rushing yards um again we know that he's going to work in some capacity let's assume 10 carries per week at four and a half yards per carry that's 45 rushing yards per week his career ypc is 4.7 even at 13 games yeah. at that average is 585 rushing yards i've done the math I, I think it works out quite well and and it also goes to the story you're telling where you know the pass catchers might not be there so they're going to lean on two running backs a little bit more this season to where even 10 carries per week could end up being conservative so I think Harris I like is it. a really as a as a solid value. I think he's very being considered an afterthought in a lot of fantasy drafts and this is a guy 
that has it's not exciting right he's never been an exciting player right he's a what is that phrase like um uh something of not like a master of none oh, Jack all trades, but master a master of none. of none that's very yeah. much his skill set right um so i think that he but he does offer he's like the kirk cousins of running backs you know <laughs> No higher compliment. No, but he doesn't it. get the same amount of money, and I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> no, will not have, that's a that's a argument for Twitter to have in perpetuity. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to the Bengals. the The issue when you get to these good teams is we'll spend way too much time talking about them. So Sorry, uh, the Bengals went twelve and four last year. Same head coach Zach Taylor, and Zach Taylor also calls the plays. Joe Burrow is the QB one. Joe Mixon is the RB one. Rookie Chase Brown should be backing him up. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd all back, and Irv Smith slides into the tight end spot after leaving Minnesota while Hayden Hurst has moved on to Carolina. So with the Bengals, my guys, Josh has Jamar Chase. Liz and I both have Joe Mixon. So, Josh, I'm going to let you get started with a little Jamar Chase talk. All right. So I did – I didn't – again, Chase is my wide receiver one in my projections this year. Like okay. over Justin Jefferson, over Cooper Cup, Diggs, Adams, Hill, all those it's guys. It's not outlandish. It, I don't think it is. But here are some things that I think might surprise some people. Did you know that Jamar Chase led the NFL last year in targets per game at 11.2? He missed four or five games last and year. And he missed, right? well, four games, yeah. Well, he missed he four 12. and then the team missed one. Yes. Yeah. So his yards per reception, his rookie season, when he won rookie of the year and set the rookie uh, receiving yards number, was at 18. That Stop fell it. to that, tw- that fell to uh, 12 yards per reception last year. I thought you were going to say 16. I did not realize it was 18. Okay. Yeah, it was 18. But here's the fun thing. When you look at him only playing 12 games last year, he had the same number of end zone targets as last year's wide receiver one, Justin Jefferson, but three more touchdowns on those end zone targets. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Justin Jefferson does not catch touchdowns in the end zone. I know it's kind of a weird thing to say because he, again, was a wide receiver one last year. So what I'm buying into is this connection between Jamar Chase and Burrow. When you look at Chase and his target share from last year and when he was on the field, that target share was sixth in the NFL at 29.3%, which is a massive uptick from just over 23% in his rookie year. How insane that five other people beat 30% target share last year. Good Lord. That's wild. (laughs) If you don't believe me, it's on player profile. I I believe (laughs) it's crazy, but like, and where I'm, where I'm loving Jamar chase is the touchdowns, right? In 29 career games, Jamar chase has scored 22 touchdowns. That is a pretty elite level, like percentage there. That's better than Jefferson who only scores a touchdown every two games. That's better than Cooper cup who scored 46 and 80 games has only two seasons out of six where he's top 10 or more touchdowns. And that's even better than Stefan Diggs, who yes, has scored 10 or more in the last two years, but over his career 59 and 119 games. So when you factor in what should be a better yards per reception from last year, coming back from, you know, starting the year without the hip injury, the elite touchdown upside, and the elite target share. I have him as my wide receiver one going into this year. So that's why he is my guy, because I don't see a lot of people putting Jamar Chase in that overall wide receiver one market. 
I, I love it. I love the stats. My only caution is how fluky touchdowns and end zone efficiency as Devontae Adams can yeah. be. And yeah. I don't know if I want to, if I want to draft, I mean, because potentially would you draft if you had the second overall pick, would you draft Jamar Chase? Oh, I'd still take a running back because you would take who at number yeah. two. You would, take uh, I would still take, no, you I know? would take, I would probably take Eckler cause he is my RB one but it's very close between him and CMC, but I would still, I still value that, that multifaceted running back okay. over the elite wide receiver. Third pick in a draft. So if we assume that Jefferson and Eckler are one CMC, and two. No, well, CMC, we're gonna and assume CMC and Eckler are one and two. That's consistent. Then yeah, right I would now. take Chase. Okay. I would, I would take, take Chase over JJ and Cup. Yeah, I would. Because I, uh, and again, it boils down to A, he's my wide receiver one, but B, I also know I'm not getting him on the turn back in the second. Hundo, yes. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I just wanted to know where in, because last year I took Jefferson second overall, mostly mm-hmm. because I didn't uh, want to take Austin because it's too hard for me. Yeah, that, that, it's a uh, little bit more complicated for complicated. you than most. <laughs> it's just a different thing. So I did, and what, like I wasn't doing the show with him last year. So like it was different. So I took Justin Jefferson and I was like, wow, this is great. This is great content because I am now learning uh, as I go along because he was pacing ahead of, you know, all of the receivers. I think ultimately on a points per game basis, a fantasy points per game basis, I think Eckler out edged him at least in ESPN standard scoring, which is one point full point PPR. But um, I don't know. Anyway, I love that you're backing it up. Well, I say I think Cup actually caught Jefferson when it was all said and done. He just only played the nine games. Yeah, he had a higher points per game. But the one thing I did find too, Chase ranked first last year in expected fantasy points per game. So I mean, and that and that tells you there were even some missed opportunities where, you know, again the missed games as well. But Mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about how great this offense is. I mean, no Chase. Guess what? You got Higgins and Boyd. And I know you guys, will, you know, we'll get to Joe Mixon here in a little bit, but there's still a no more dominant threat on this offense to me than Jamar Chase. He is that freaking good. Oh, I think, yeah. that I don't know that there's much debate there. Whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's move on to Mixon because I know Josh's take on Mixon because we've been having this fight for weeks. It, it's volume versus efficiency. So, Liz, do you see him getting back up above four yards per carry or do you think it even matters? I don't care. All right. <laughs> I don't care. Like the Bengals let Samaj P. Ryan walk. They waited until the fifth round to add Chase Brown. Mixon's still only, he's just 27 years old. Like I know he feels 35, but he's still only 27 and he's the primary ball carrier in a top five offense. He's managed over 16 carries per game throughout his entire career while also clearing 1,200 scrimmage yards in four of those six pro efforts. The knock against him, right? Where he doesn't catch balls. The receiving ceiling is way too low. But then he's managed down. career <laughs> catches in back-to-back seasons. Yeah. He's been inside the top 12 in fantasy points per game since Joe Burrow joined the team. I feel like it's not exciting. It's not fun, but it is really valuable. And if you're looking, if you want to prioritize another position like a wide receiver or even a quarterback, depending on where you are in the snake, then I think that he can be a serviceable RB1 at a pretty discounted ADP, given all of the other, um, all, all of the floor that he presents with. 
fourth round pick, depending on your league size, whether you need to take him early or late, but uh, very, very late rounds for a guy who you know is going to lead his team in carries touches from that position. Josh, do you care to disagree with Liz Loza? Because I certainly wouldn't. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the last four seasons, he's averaged 4.1 yards per carry or fewer. I get the, the spike in the targets last year which again was great. It was a career high for him at 26 years old. We're going into a year older. And and I feel like, again, it's easy to scoff at like, Oh, well, he's only 27. This is like his seventh season. Like there's a lot of tread on these tires because he has been the lead back do it all guy for the Bengals since then. And he's not as big as Derrick Henry. So this is kind of like, all right, we're starting to see him slowly wear down and it's showing up in these in these efficiency numbers the spike last year for me in the targets i think really was just it was jamar chase being out those four games right so if chase plays 16 we saw the higgins leave i think it was three games last year within the first 10 snaps of the game so like if you have a fully healthy season from both of those guys i don't think those targets are there from joe mixon and I, I mean, we're still talking 75 too. targets, though. It's not like that's going to get cut in half. If well, and, and again, like, I'm not saying he's going to dip down to 40. I'm not saying that. I think, well, let me actually see where I have him on uh, projected targets. So I have him at 58 targets and 218 rush attempts, which, again, not very sexy. But, you know, running backs ahead of him are going to get hurt. So if he ends up playing 15 games, which I think is still very much in the realm of possibility, barring anything drastic, you know, he'll still probably end up a top 16 running back. I just feel like right now you're kind of drafting him at a ceiling, in my opinion. You're, I, you, I don't think he's being drafted at a ceiling at all. I think he I is know. like an incredible value. Like he's going to clear 200 carries, even on just 15 games. And even if he catches three balls a game, like what is that? Uh, that is 40. That's again, 45, 45 balls. Like, yeah. That's, I mean, for your realistically, then how many touchdowns do you think he scores? Nine. I haven't projected for total. Or Russian? Total. Total. Okay. Well, but that's I mean, the point that's, I was going to bring up is yeah. in this offense, he has scored twenty-five touchdowns over the last two seasons. So there's yeah, such an sixteen of them there. came two years ago. So nine came last year. It's, nine is not a bad number, bro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh. I, I love this, by the way. I love that. First of all, Ryan, go get him. Number yeah. two. <laughs> number two. Um, if you had to choose without looking at your rankings, I just okay. looked at mine. Um, oh, between, oh, okay. All right. All's <laughs> not fair in love and war. Okay. <laughs> if you're choosing between Joe Mixon and Najee Harris, who are you picking? I do have Najee higher. She said, don't so look have- at your rankings. No, but, no, but I know that off the top of my oh, head. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have those two guys, 12 and 13, which is why I looked at my rankings. Okay. Yeah, I think I uh, looking at my rankings, I believe I have Najee at nine. No, let me check that. There's I have, seven picks I actually have him at eight. ADP, so. I have him at eight because I do have him at 297 rush attempts. I'm not buying into the whole Jalen Warren hype at all. Oh, that I mean, that's fine. But like, I got I I. Let's, I want to look at, I, now you have caused me to question Najee Harris's efficiency metrics, which we can do on another episode. And, well, and, was, and that's fine. And, and again, I'm, I'm kind of with yeah. you on the efficiency side with Najee, 
But I also think that the way that the Steelers play football is very different from the way that the Bengals play football. Yeah. Like the, the Steelers, they, they have three pretty good wide receivers and you won't find a bigger Deontay Johnson fan than me, but he's not in the category in the stratosphere of T Higgins or even Jamar chase. Sure. So that alone is going to drive so much more into the rushing volume for not like I have Najee with almost 80 more carries than Joe Mixon because I have the Bengals throwing the football over 600 times. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So. Sure. All right, guys, I'm going to keep us moving with the Bengals. So uh, Joe Sleeper, Chase Brown, RB63. I think he's just looking at the potential of stepping into that Samaj P. Ryan role, his IDP player of note. Joe's favorite phrase on the show when it comes to IDP players, contract year, it's Trey Hendrickson off the defensive line. And we're going to go back to Liz's bottomless bets. Go ahead and talk about your favorite bets related to the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals over under 11 and a half wins. Ryan, I want your opinion first. Instead of me just saying what I... No, you're fine. Um... I think the division is tough. You know, they won 13 last year. I still don't believe in the the offensive line improvements until I see it on the field. I would probably go under with the Bengals. Um, and Josh? The line was 11 and a half? Yeah. 11 and a half wins. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm still going to go over. I still think their head and shoulders the best team in that division. Ryan, you and I are uh, in lockstep. I have under 11 and a half wins, a lot of the same things, but here is the biggest stat. I am, I am leaning into Lamar Jackson staying on the field this season. And here yeah. was the stat that I pulled that swayed me to the under. Cause again, this is a close one. These are why I've picked this one. Lamar uh, Burrow is three and O versus the Ravens. When anyone but Lamar Jackson starts <laughs> and one and two in his career versus Baltimore, when Jackson starts. Wow. I am leaning in to Lamar this season. I don't I, like, I understand the durability. I'm, it's not about him getting paid. Like I just feel like it's yeah. going to happen. There's a new offensive coordinator. There's things that are changing. I think he's going to stay on the field. And to me, that means that Joe is going to take a couple L's that he didn't anticipate. So I'll take the under overall. And we should see that Ravens defense start to come to fruition. All these home runs they've hit on the defensive side of all of the draft. We should start to see that come to fruition over these next couple of seasons. So I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. The other one is Joe Mixon over six and a half rushing touchdowns. I think we already like talked yeah, about that way over for me on that one. So. Yes. <laughs> um, T Higgins over or under 1000 and a half re- receiving yards. I think I would go over. I have, I have been in a love hate relationship with myself and T Higgins this entire off season where I got really down on him last year, but then the more you dig into the numbers, he's way better than what he kind of looked like in certain games last year. But I just think on sheer passing volume, he's probably over as long as he stays. He's also field. cleared a thousand receiving yards in back-to-back seasons. Yeah. So a three-peat, especially in this contract year for him, makes a bunch of stents. Um, with Chase on the field, Higgins has averaged 4.7 receptions per game and 67.3 receiving yards per game. When Chase is out, that number jumps to six and a half receptions per game and 92.7 receiving yards per game. Obviously, sample size is small. If it were larger, that number would come down a little bit. But if Chase stays healthy for the entire year and Higgins maintains his 67 receiving yards per game average for 15 games, which he you know, did while Chase was healthy all of last year. That's like a lot. That's 1,003, right? Or something like that. It's the over. over. I love it. 
The math. I'm like, I'm lie. trying to do that math. I'm like, wait a second. We talk all the time about running backs going over a thousand yards, and they're like, it's only like sixty something a game. Yep. Now there's that seventeenth game, so it, it you know sways a it a little math. bit. But oh, that's the so math, funny. The math. The math is mathing. That's what it really. Comes <laughs> All right, we're going to finish up the show with the San Francisco 49ers, 13-4 and four last year. Again, no changes. Once you start getting into these good teams, there's usually not a lot of changes. Kyle Shanahan's the coach. Kyle Shanahan's calling the plays. Quarterbacks, Josh, this might be the first time we've had to go three deep. Um, QB1 I, I had because it would be damn funny to do it. <laughs> QB1A, Brock Purdy. 1B, Trey Lance. 1C, Sam Darnold. I think we can firmly put a, a two or a three there. Christian McCaffrey is going to be the RB1. Elijah Mitchell backing him up. Um, I would flip these, and I'm going to because I'm the host. Wide receiver one is Brandon Ayuk. Wide receiver two is Debo Samuel. Wide receiver three is Jawan Jennings. Tight end one, George Kittle. We're going to go with my guys, and we all agree. And since Liz is the smartest one in the room, Liz, talk to us about Brandon Ayuk. I hate this team. <laughs> I hate the whole thing. I, like, he's coming off of a career season, right? 78 grabs, uh, 1,015 yards, eight touchdowns. He led the 49ers in catches, targets, and receiving yards. Cleared 1,000 receiving yards for the first time in three seasons since he was drafted in 2020. Um, he had three games with at least with 20 or more fantasy points, but then six single-digit games. Like, I, I think – Volume is going to be the most frustrating piece of this offense. And if you are drafting Ayuk, who right now I believe is like the 35th wide receiver off the board, you're going to get some weeks where he gives you those 20 plus points. And then you're going to get some dud weeks. And that is the way that this offense is going to roll because outside of Christian McCaffrey, whose connection with Kyle Shanahan is literally generational. He is the engine through which this entire flipping operation runs. Everything else is a question mark. Um, Debo's health, Debo's conditioning. Like I know that we make best shape of his life type jokes, but like that is something to consider. Debo looked at the tape and was like, I was dusty AF and now I got to the gym and I'm pounding my Celsius. Like all of that is happening for him. I, I don't, I don't know. Right. Like, I, I don't know. When I look at the ADP, <laughs> um, Pittman, if I'm looking at like, uh, Ayuk is being drafted around the same time as Michael Pittman and Brandon Cooks. I look at those three options and I think, well, I, I want a part of Kyle Shanahan's offense more than anything that Mike McCarthy is attached to or the, you know, I, I do think it's a good year in Indianapolis, but it's a starter season. It's not like anything's not been established. Right. So I'll take Brandon Ayuk. If he's my wide receiver three, I like the upside and the potential. I don't want to have to rely on him for four though. So we're going to play a quick game that we invented here on the show, but first, Shout out to Sam Darnold for watching the show. I was shocked to see the comment. I don't know who went and created that profile so fast. Or All about it. Yeah, no New Jersey, by the way, bro. Still in Carolina. That's amazing, plain and simple. Um, so we, Liz, you may have probably never heard of this game because we invented it in our show. Um, Would you rather, where we're going to give you options and you just choose between the two of them. It's really simple. Can't believe nobody came up with it before. Here's my issue. I think Josh is alluding to that we should play Would You Rather with Brandon Ayuk. But we all love Brandon Ayuk, and there are some interesting names around him. I think it's more important to play around Debo Samuel 
at wide receiver 16. And it just so happens that this plays perfectly into a user question of Chris Olave and DK Metcalf. So those three, Debo Samuel, Chris Olave, DK Metcalf, are all going right next to each other. So I guess my question is, with you know the, the non-dusty Debo and our love of Brandon Ayuk, how far does his ADP need to fall? So I'm going to start with a few players ahead of him, and let's just start with T. Higgins because we spent the show talking about him. Liz, would you rather have T. Higgins or Debo Samuel at roughly the same ADP? T. Higgins. Josh? I hate this. I'd rather have T Higgins, but I do have Debo higher in my rankings. I, we're going to talk about your rankings after the show. Chris Olave yeah. or Debo Samuel? <laughs> this. Uh, Chris Olave. He's like a top 15 guy, and I have Debo just outside my top 15. Okay. Josh? Yeah, this game is already making me realize I need to readjust my projections because, again, <laughs> I have Debo ahead of Olave, and I would still take Olave 10 times out of 10 over Debo. So, yeah. DK Metcalf, Liz, or Debo? Uh, DK Metcalf. I have him top 13. That one I would take Debo over. Okay, so that's interesting because for me, these are all home runs. But now when we get below here, there's one that I don't even need to ask myself. But let's start with the one just below Debo Samuel. Three picks apart. Debo Samuel or Amari Cooper, Liz? Where do you stand on that Cleveland offense? Oh, my God. I have them very close. Um, I think Debo, over the course of his career, has offered more upside. And Amari Cooper is like the bet. The silver lining for Amari Cooper is you know what you're getting. This is it. Like that was a career year for him. I don't see him exceeding it. What he did manage to do that Debo didn't was stay healthy. So I will take Debo and know that I'm going to have some like some some bottom games See, what's funny is i'm down on both of them but i would also go debo here josh yeah i'm gonna go debo too i i have them back to back in my rankings i have debo 12 amari cooper 13 but i do want to bring this up because i saw this tweet uh yesterday it was from john daigle from four for four football so when they when they you know bringing up brock purdy as you know it presumed qb1 here six games had CMC, Debo, George Kittle, and Ayuk on the field together with Brock Purdy. Here were their target shares. George Kittle, 11.5%. Brennan Ayuk, 16.1%. CMC, 21.6%. And Debo Samuel, 25.5%. Again, very small sample size. But this is kind of what their their offense is. It's the short, it's the dink and dunk for the young quarterback to not have to make a lot of progressions, just get rid of the ball quickly. That favors IUK or excuse me, Debo, Debo. and CMC. Yeah. We get another year in this system. Maybe that changes, or maybe it stays the same because they're trying to protect Purdy's elbow. So we could end up seeing more of the same offense. There, there's just so many variables. And Liz, I'm with you. I hate this freaking team. I don't want to project them anymore. They suck. The right, most head scratching thing ever. You and I have been in lockstep most of the show, which just warms my heart because it tells me I'm on the side of right and Josh is on the side of wrong. But this is what else question. is new? <laughs> this is a question for our, our budding relationship, Liz. Debo Samuel or Keenan Allen? <laughs> I think I literally I think I literally have them uh within um I I'm going to I'm going to be a coward and say Keenan Allen. That is not a coward. That is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> I love him. Gosh. <laughs> this is another one where I would 
not go with my projections and take Keenan Allen because I do have Allen under uh, Debo in my my projections. So I got to kind of rework that a little bit. I, I need to throw in. I'm glad we've done this show because I have a lot of work to do now. On my projections, <laughs> so thank well, there's you. one last question I want to ask Liz just on the Brandon Ayuk thing. You mentioned like we all put him as our guy and Joe even picked him as a sleeper at wide receiver 33 and Debo's ADP is much higher as you pointed yeah. out. Where does Ayuk fall in your rankings, Liz? He's inside my top 30. Like, that's why I'm, I'm okay. saying, like, he's being drafted outside of the top 30 oh, in we that, that Pittman-Cooks yeah. range, right? But I think there's value to be had there. Um, and so that's why – and I love the point you made, Josh. Like, even though you've been kind of a pain in my ass this whole show, <laughs> I love the, the point you made, though, about protecting Purdy's elbow and maybe we get him to grow. And, like, if that – if the YPR or the ADOT can, like – increase then Ayuk certainly becomes more and more interesting particularly at where he's being drafted so yeah Yeah, and that's the fun thing about this offense it literally is built on guys that get yards after the catch that's it it's a yak great at it Debo is great at it even Brandon Ayuk is great at it I was gonna say and that was they just need to get him in space like when you when you saw Jimmy Garoppolo leading this offense who has the arm strength of a toddler like these guys were stretching the field they were getting down the field because their ability after the catch. They weren't doing that as much last year, even though they were still running basically the same offense. A lot of short throws and just letting the guys do their jobs. Well, they had the I right think team we're to gonna get that. back to that this year, where yeah. these guys are going to do their jobs. They're gonna get a lot of yards after the catch. It's gonna be interesting to watch how that target share shakes out. So Liz, this kind of goes in with one of your bets because you also mentioned Elijah Mitchell. And I feel like we didn't, nobody spends enough time talking about Elijah Mitchell because Christian McCaffrey's there. So I want to quickly throw in Joe's IDP players, Javon Hargrave, mainly because there's so much to deal with on that defense. Javon Hargrave will never see a double team. And so you can expect a little bit of production. But Liz, he's a part of your bottomless bets. But let's just talk about Elijah Mitchell in general because I, there's not enough positive mentions of him and you seem to have one. Well, he was really a fit. I mean, I think he has like a, a, a YPC of over six last year when he was uh, when he was running in re- relief of CMC or sharing the field with CMC. But his efficiency metrics are, are pretty solid. Again, leaning to the point that like we, Kyle Shanahan has a type and Elijah, Elijah Mitchell is that type. Uh, he's just not CMC. And, <laughs> I, 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 you know, obviously injuries have been a little bit difficult, but. Mitchell has averaged nearly 60 rushing yards per game when sharing the backfield with Christian McCaffrey from weeks 10 to 18. But that isn't an eight game sample size, unfortunately, because he missed weeks 13 to 17. So it's just like that's cut in half. So you only have a four game sample size, but still averaging 60 rushing games, rushing yards per game while sharing with CMC. I don't know if I'd expect that every week, but that's an interesting number where we can start, we can start projecting from um, also in terms of splits, he averaged nearly 10 carries per game when he was sharing the field with Christian McCaffrey, who averaged 10 and a half carries per game. So just under, because McCaffrey saw all of the, all of the passing downs work, right? Yeah. Like everything through the air, he, he sucked up the targets. So I think from a rushing perspective in an offense, and I know we sound like we're beat, we're, I know we sound like a broken record, but like that relies on Yak and that relies getting players in space. And we know that Mitchell has that capacity and we know that he has incredible uh, efficiency metrics because of it. I feel like, He's if anything were to happen to McCaffrey, which 
is not impossible given his durability yeah. history. Mitchell slides into an incredible position and also can get you awesome, awesome yard, a yard per carry average and yak average because of the offense he's running in. And he's going completely undrafted because people are like, he's hurt all the time. He burnt me. Yeah. He was a nobody anyway. He was a plug and play. And all of that recency bias is one heck of an influence. And so he's dropping. So if I'm looking at like a late round throw a dart at guy, it is absolutely Mitchell, who I think will probably go over and his prop in Vegas, like not to move on, but just, just no, this, I was literally about to tongue in cheek ask you. So do you think he'll maybe rush for 560 or 76 or more yards? (laughs) Does 580 rushing yards seem crazy? No, not even a little bit, especially with the 60 yard per game stat you threw out there. That was mind blowing. I I knew he was high efficiency. I didn't realize the yardage totals were that high. Like 10 games, 10 games at 60 rushing yards a game. And he's hit the over on this. So if you can assume or project 600 rushing yards for Elijah Mitchell in this offense and a moderate amount of receiving work, then I don't know what, what he's free. Yeah. I don't, I, I was going to say, I don't think that he sees really any receiving work, honestly. I mean, just last year, he only had CMC were to go out. If CMC goes out, then yeah. But I also think that a lot of that is going to be Kyle Juszczyk. They'll use him more in that, in that sort of in pass that catching back. Ah, see, I've fallen for that trap but, before. He ends up just yeah. being boom and bust games. And Of course he's going to have boom or bust games. But yeah, I like at, Elijah Mitchell should be every zero RB truthers like dream running back in the late rounds because that's, that's exactly what you want. Well done. You yeah. want you want guys that are set up to be explosive if given the opportunity to start multiple weeks. And that's exactly what Elijah Mitchell is. If anything, God forbid, were to happen to CMC this year, miss a game, two games, even six games, you've got league winning weeks from Elijah Mitchell on his resume. Like it's there 6.2 yards per carry last year averages over 77 yards per game in his short career. Like even if you only get eight games out of him this year, that's going to put you pretty close to that prop. So forget that for a second. Like maybe you just draft him and reach early so that you have trade leverage against the CMC manager later in the season. And and keep in mind when we say reach early, it's not even like you have to go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Like there, there's a ton of value there. Liz, I'll let you continue with the other two bets. Um, I think we, I had, uh, well, I took the over on 10 and a half wins. It is really, really close, but so that was my a- ponderance because we don't love the team. You literally mentioned it as soon as it started, but it's also a division that could easily be beat, beat up on. Like you're possibly a split with Seattle, but what Rams team do you expect to show up? It should be two wins against Arizona. I mean, they were 13 and four in 2022 with Brock Purdy. That's like, true. They played four quarterbacks last year. Yeah. Okay. You know. <laughs> and, so yeah, and now they've got CMC and they still, they still have a top five defense. Yeah. That'll It'll work. be interesting <laughs> to see how Steve Wilkes calls plays versus how D'Amico Ryan's called plays. Yeah. Especially in the early going. Cause I say, and, and that's my, Wilkes, that was my Wilkes big worry. Too, though. Like I've been on a couple of podcasts talking about the Eagles and that's my big worry. We've got two brand new coordinators. And, you know, you look at the schedule, it's like, oh, we should, you know, walk into Dallas like 7-0 and or whatever. And then we hit that hard stretch. There's a good chance that we're 3-3 three and three heading into Dallas because, again, you're working in two brand new coordinators that have never called plays before. Even though we've got so much talent, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're not consistent in how you're calling the plays. So, um, again, I know Steve Wilkes is a veteran. He's done this a long time. But, again, he's working with a new group of guys. So it'll be interesting to see – 
how quickly he takes to what they do best and how he calls those plays as a result. Love it. And Liz, the final one on Debo Samuel. I'm going to go over 780 and a half receiving yards. I I just, I'm I'm buying, maybe I'm buying too much into the best shape of his life news, (laughs) but he averaged nearly 41, 40.8. In fact, receiving yards per game from weeks 10 through 18 of the regular season. He missed weeks 15 through 17 there. I don't really want to bet. I don't really want to bet this because like maybe, maybe he bounces back, but outside of his 2021 season, he's averaged between 53 and 56 receiving yards per game. So let's say he regresses to 55 receiving yards per (laughs) game over 14 yards. That's still 770. It's tight. Yeah. Um, So like I'll be optimistic and take the over. Uh, But, but I think, I think this is actually important for a fantasy conversation more than just like looking at the bets and trying to win the bet, use it as a fantasy projection because maybe, maybe Debo only gets you 765 or 770, but basically you can rely on him for 750 to 800 receiving yards on the season. And that can help, help you place where he needs to be in terms of your personal rankings and ADP. Yeah. It's also a great tool when doing projections because if you think you're way over on someone and you go and see that you have them projected for 200 yards over what Vegas says they're going to get, you may have need to take a step back a little bit. I was going to say, I've got them at about 400 overs in my projections. So I'm Josh, like, take what the back hell back. am I missing here? <laughs> Guys, that's a wrap for the show. Liz, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join Club Fantasy. Um, remind everyone who somehow wouldn't know where they can find your work. But more importantly, if you have anything big coming up that you want to pitch. Uh, well, definitely follow me on the socials, though those are changing, I guess. Um, at yeah. Liz Loza underscore FF is what I'm on Instagram and X. X. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be on threads as soon as I get my stuff together and make the transfer. So anyway, at Liz Loza underscore FF is where uh, you can find me on social. And I have, let's see, I have a contract year player article coming out. I have a really exciting article that I teased a little bit with you guys earlier about it started as a who were your favorite running back dead zone picks and then it changed to like what is the running back dead zone what is this adp data what is shifting i think it might be alive i think the dead zone is actually also no longer rounds three to six but maybe five to eight Mm -hmm. um so all of that data i am currently working through um so i'm excited for that that'll be a kind of a, a a murky piece and definitely tune into the um, fantasy football marathon, which will be on ESPN one and two, August 14th and 15th. Perfect. One of my favorite uh, blocks of uh, entertainment on ESPN throughout the year. Cause you guys just crush it for that uh, 24 hour period. It's awesome. So thank you. <laughs> Love it. Uh, our look inside series is in full swing, as you know, with the show is coming to an end. So are the articles. We just dropped articles on Stefan Diggs and T Higgins this week. We have more to follow uh, three till we're to the end, but we are very close to the end. I believe we only have four left. Um, Ooh, we just we only have three left. Oh, is it only three? Yeah, that's yeah, we that's only right, have the shows are. Week. Yeah, the shows are ahead of the or the other way around because we skipped Chicago. Anyway, not a lot of articles left, so we've covered a lot of individual players, but we also do team blurbs in each one of those articles, so make sure you look out for those. Um, we just announced the Women of Fantasy Football panel. Um, 
that's going to be on what is it 18 days in Canton, Ohio. You can go to the women of fantasy football, women of underscore FF Twitter handle to see all the great ladies who are going to be talking on that panel. And then make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube page because my goodness, you are probably missing out on some great content. Every Monday we have my show mock it like it's hot. Uh, we just did an episode with Hutchinson Brown and we're going to have another best ball episode coming up this upcoming week. Summer school is actually our best ball dedicated show. Um, that's Monday nights. My show's 11 a.m. That show's 8 p.m. Eastern. Her story in the making is every other Tuesday. New episode just dropped with Ty Floyd, multimedia Such reporter. For, yeah, too. wonderful episode um, with the SWAC uh, ESPN and Sports Illustrated, and she is a galvanized alum. Who's your caddy is Tuesday nights at 9.30, Dynasty After Party Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, and then uh, let's see, our Women of Fantasy Football, Josh, kicks off in two weeks. You want to talk a little bit about that and uh, get us out of here? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to announce really anything else. I'm just okay. going to say stay tuned. <laughs> On Friday, I'm going to drop kind of like the intro graphic. Uh, we have... I. I mean, we've we've had Liz on the show, and we've got an absolutely phenomenal guest leading off this year. I big shout out to Kelly Singh for locking that one down. Um, eight new raffles, eight, eight new raffles that we're doing. Uh, the only tease I will provide: three of those jerseys come from the NFC East, two of them from the NFC North, one from the NFC West, one from the AFC North, and one from the AFC South. And, and all the proceeds of those raffles benefit Galvanized Scholarships to help it's our ladies. The Women of Fantasy and Galvanized Scholarship Fund uh, for the boot camps that Laura puts on, the seminars. Uh, Faith Enos, one of the co-hosts of Women of Fantasy, just came back from the Nashville seminar they did in June. Uh, Ty Floyd, who we had on for her story last uh, yesterday on Tuesday, uh, talked a little bit about it. She was at that seminar as well. Just everything that Laura does with Gal- Galvanize for these women that want to get into broadcasting. It's invaluable experience, and we're so happy that she wants to partner with us and is willing to partner with us and let us help, you know, usher in the next generation of, of uh, female sports broadcasters. Perfect. Guys, this show is going to be back next week with the great Lauren Carpenter so we can finish up the Look Inside series with the Chicago Bears, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. One of those That was things. painful to write. I say one of those things doesn't belong in that sense, but that's okay. And a big shout out to our missing brother, Joe Zolo. Make sure you tune in to ESPN Plus tomorrow as his Bismarck Larks take on their alter ego, the Missouri River Motor Boaters on ESPN Plus at 735 Eastern. Thank you to everybody who watched. Make sure you tune into the show next week. Always remember, defense wins championships offense wins fantasy football we'll see you next week